This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. When I was in high school, nobody else fly fished. There was, I was the only one and I had to keep that shit a secret. Like <laughs> you don't like, you don't brag about how, like how good of a fly caster you are in high school. That gets you nowhere. Okay. I know what now, you mean. now they've got fly tying clubs in middle school. And I'm like, when the shit did this happen? I'm Nick Davis, the owner of two, three, nine flies. And this is the Tom Rowland podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast today. I've got a great guest for us. Nick Davis runs 239 Flies in Bonita Springs. We have a number of mutual friends and everybody tells me this guy's really funny. So we're going to find out. I hope he is. But uh, anyway, Nick is with us. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing good. I uh, I can barely reach the bar now for the expectations that have been set for me by others, but I'll try to get there today, Tom. Like <laughs> we'll try to get there together. <laughs> well, funny funny is a high bar. That's, that's a high bar. You know, I uh, I'm still waiting for it to pay off in life, but uh, you know, it'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got this shop going. How does this How does this happen? Because uh, from what I hear about you, you you're you got an interesting story. Firefighter. Um, yeah. So what? How you does know, the, the shop play into this? So so the shop kind of the origins of the shop here. Um, I used to bring my my fly tying stuff with me to the fire station because like when you're at the fire station, you've got you know you're there for 24 hours. Um, you know, so after you get some work done, usually there's some there's some chores or some some busy work that needs doing. And, uh, like later in the day, um, or in the evening, like you're just on standby. Like if something, if shit hits the fan, you got to go deal with it. But otherwise you're just on house arrest until seven o'clock the next morning. Uh, so I bring my fly tying stuff with me and instead of watching TV or, you know, just kicking it, I would just, I'd, I'd get my flies tied for, you know, the next shift or next day. Or so I didn't have to, I didn't have to waste my time at home 
you know, doing up the stuff that nobody really wants to do. I mean, yeah. like it's fun and all, but like, you know, so I bring my fly time stuff with me to work and, uh, my good buddy, James Ross, uh, was like, dude, let's, you know, it was just getting into building websites at the time. And he was like, let's build a website and sell your flies online. And I'm like, you're like, you're, dude, you're on glue. Like nobody buys flies online. Like, and besides like fly fishermen tie their own flies. That's, that's part of it. Like you, like, like if you fly fish, you tie your own flies. And if, if you don't like, you just suck at it. <laughs> like, and this was back in like 2012 when, um, you know, like fl- t- selling flies online really wasn't a thing. Um, social media wasn't really a thing. I mean, like Instagram had started and Facebook had started, but, um, you know, I don't even know if Twitter was really taken off yeah. by then. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he stayed on me for about six months, um, ruthlessly making fun of me too, as a 24 year old that, you know, fly fished and golf, like quite possibly the oldest soul ever. Um, <laughs> and a 22 year old, like, why can't you just be normal? Like tequila shots and, you know, but so he stayed on me for about six weeks or I'm sorry, about six months. And, uh, you know, finally I was like, so, so what are we going to do here? Because, you know, you're not going to fill out a tax form and I'm going to spend three to five years in a minimum security resort, uh, you know, because you didn't mail a check, you know? So he's like, dude, just, just tie the flies, leave the rest of me. And I was like, all right, fine. Like I'll tie the flies. You do the rest. Like if the IRS comes knocking, like I'm telling them I'm you. So <laughs> like enjoy prison asshole. Uh, so, <laughs> so we got, we got it started. We you took were some expecting pictures, to like sell we, a lot of flies. <laughs> I was expecting to sell zero flies, not a single fly, you know? And that was one of the, that was part of the whole thing, how he was able to convince me to do it was because he's like, dude, if you just do this and you know, we don't do anything and you know, we don't sell a single anything, you can just, you know, write your hobby off for three years. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like federal prison to me. That's, that's not like, I'm way too soft for that shit. Like I can't, I can't go there, dude. Like I can barely hang in the fire station. Like, you know, um, like these hands were not calloused back then. Um, certainly the soul was not, but so anyway, he, uh, we, we got online, nothing really, nothing really happened. We, he, he put a website together and back then there was no Shopify or, you know, uh, any of that jazz like he wrote a website line by line you know with code that he taught himself wow uh, how to do like it's too damn smart for his own good um but yeah this guy's line a by fireman line. like yeah he's one yeah, of your fire yeah. fire buddies okay he, he yeah he he could probably I, I got another couple of good stories about about him but um yeah he's one of the guys i work with at the fire station actually got hired the same day with um we started, we started our careers in the department the exact same day hmm. and little backstory on that. Uh, when we took our CPAT together in the, the CPATs, the candidate physical ability test, and you take that for whatever County it is that you're applying it. And for Lee County, which is where I work, um, there was, I don't know, 3000 people taking this written test all jam packed into, you know, Mariner high school auditorium. <laughs> and out of 3000 people, I sat next to that asshole, James <laughs> Ross. Like I'm sitting there, like I'm cheating off of this test. Like I'm looking at it like, uh, like, so where do you live? Dude? He's like, uh, uh, Pembroke Pines. I'm like, Oh, where's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. And 
first day at the fire station, like, oh, they hired you. Like, oh, cool. All right. What are the, what are the odds of that? But um, getting back to the story, I like to get sidetracked if you can't tell. Like yeah, I have zero okay. direction. Plenty of time, man. Zero direction in life. Um, plenty of time. <laughs> so we got, um, we got the thing started online, you know, with the website that he wrote line by line and uh, nothing happened. Six months, eight months, nothing happened. Uh, finally, we ran a little ad, uh, old Google ad, and we sold like six flies. And I was like, oh my God, like we sold something, you know, like <laughs> thir- 36 bucks later, you know, and it's like, oh my, like I'm, I'm going to go buy a mansion. Like I'm a business owner now, successful entrepreneur. Um, but, uh, and then later I started selling, I'd go around like, to all the tackle shops in town. It's like, all right, well, online's not really working. So let's, let's go, let's go try to pump these at like area tackle shops. And, um, so went down to a little shop called cat and Pete's bait and tackle. Um, formerly cat and Pete's bait and tackle, uh, unfortunately, but met my good friend, Paul, no Sephora there. Um, I don't know if you know, Paul, but Paul's about a six foot six, uh, 320 pound, um, looks like he's in a biker gang, just like covered in tattoos, like not the guy you mess with. <laughs> so I walk into a shop and I'm like, um, can I speak to uh, a manager? Like pure Karen, like, can I speak to a manager please? And, um, he's like, yeah, speaking, what do you want? I'm like, shit. Um, I got some flies. Uh, I got some, I got some flies. You guys, you guys sell flies. Like his shop's like the size of, you know, uh, it was, 200 square feet, 300 square feet, like down the middle of tin city. And, um, he was like, yeah, I got some flies, but you know, I'd like to get some more. What do you got? So I showed him my flies and he was like, yeah, I'll take a dozen of these, a dozen of these, a dozen of these, a dozen of these. And it orders like 10 dozen flies. And I'm like, well, shit, now I got to tie these. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, well that worked. Um, so then as I'm kind of leaving, Paul's telling me, he's like, you know, after talking to him for a couple of hours and like, thrilled that he didn't like grind my bones to make his bread um he's like you should get on instagram uh and and you know as you're going with these get on instagram take some pictures you know and and see see where that goes i'm like you're right so as i did that um you know like i'm going up to the old world famous master bait and tackle here in bonita beach road kind of doing the same thing and before i knew it i had uh, you know, 20 dozen flies that I had to tie, you know, for no money, mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. you know, like absolutely no money, but like I had 20 flies. I needed to tie. somebody, somebody wanted 20 dozen of my flies. So started taking pictures of it, got on Instagram. Um, and then it just kind of took off. That was, that was pretty much it. Um, so let me remember, ask you something like when you say no yeah. money, like here's, here's my, uh, history of commercial fly tying. Okay. It sounded like a really good idea to me. And I was going <laughs> to um, try to spend the winter in Jackson, Wyoming. This is close to 30 years ago. And I uh, guided all summer. And then when the trips, you know, just dried up, I was like, huh, well, what could I do this winter? And one of the things was you could build houses all winter in 30 below. That didn't sound good. Um, no, you could be a no. snowmobile guide. Or, you know, maybe, I don't know, you could find some other job. And I thought, man, what I really want to do is I want to fish or I want to do anything like fishing. So Mm -hmm. 
I went to the manager of the shop. I said, would you want to buy some flies? And he said, sure. And I said, well, great. How many would you want? And he said, well, if you could tie that Quigley cripple, I'll take a um, hundred dozen. I'm like, hundred hey, dozen, man, that sounds really good. So I just started tying flies. Mm -hmm. I never negotiated the price or anything. Yes. I just was going to turn out a hundred dozen and uh -huh. it, nothing, nothing, um, that I was not a businessman at all at that point in my life. Uh -huh. So I tie a hundred dozen flies. I take them to him and he buys them for the price that he would buy them from Sri Lanka. Yes. And which is like, I don't know, maybe $2 a dozen. A yeah. I yeah. Mean, seriously. And I was so disappointed. I mean, I, I could not have been more disappointed all that work. And I should have just said, no, I'm not going to sell these to you for, for that price, yeah. but I didn't have any money. I had dug myself in this giant hole. So when you're doing this and you're getting started, how are you competing or eat? I mean, you say no money, like mm -hmm. no money for you might not be no money for uh, a Sri Lankan fly factory, right? Like, yes. So yeah. how do you, uh, well, how do you even compete with that? Like it would seem like your flies and your time that you're putting into this would be, it, it would have to cost 10 times more than, than, than when a you are worth. buying, when you're buying your materials at wholesale, or I'm sorry, at you're buying your materials at retail, and then you are selling your flies at wholesale. Right. Um, <laughs> That's a bad combination. Are, it's a really bad combination. And I did this, Tom, for, uh, I'll say at least two years. Wow. I'll say at least two years. Um, you know, there's, and, and I knew what I was doing when I was doing it. Like you're building a base, you know, like you're working. And I mean, you're breaking even on them and you're working your ass off and you are, you're barely breaking even. Well, but, you're, but, but your break even is a little bit different. You're breaking even that you just paid for the materials. You paid for the expensive I, hook that I, you probably tied I, it I, on that, and, that's and it. Exactly. all of the other stuff. And now you're coming out like, well, I didn't lose any this time. Like, Labor is $2 an hour. And the sacrifice is a few days a week that I would, you know, be going fishing. But now I have an excuse to go fishing. At least going fishing is, you know, I can buy, I can buy, I can put gas in my boat, you know, with, uh, with some of the profits from mm -hmm. working my ass off for three weeks. You know, I can put six gallons worth of gas in my uh, Hell's Bay skate at the time. Right. You know, with, with, you know, with the excess profits of, <laughs> Of, of the flies, but, um, you know, like you're building a base, you're gaining traction, like you're, you're gaining eyes and, um, you know, you have to kind of tie and that's, you know, like nowadays, like you go on Instagram and like everyone's tying flies, they've all got a link to their website. You can all order like right from your phone. And it's like, shit, I remember when I had to do this and I was like making 50 cents an hour, like doing this. And, you know, even honestly, after all of it um and that's kind of how it eventually like it it stopped like two three nine flies changed like i like to i like to tell my daughter i like to tell you know the kids that do it because they always want to offer they always want a piece of advice like what would you say i do and it's like be open to change because if uh however it is that you're doing you know your fly tying business you know it's you're gonna have to change it at some point and just be ready for that because the 
the technician work is going to, if you wanted to go anywhere, the technician work is going to end and you're going to have to jump to the, to the manager's position or the owner's position. Like you're doing all three as a small business person, but really you only enjoy the technician level of the work. Right. And if you want to work for $3 an hour for the rest of your lifetime flies on your spare time, like there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you enjoy, like knock yourself out. But I don't know. Like I, I, my, my time is a little more than a little more valuable to me than like $3 an hour. Yeah, so, so it's interesting. Like you're making, you're making $2 an hour. Yeah. And you're thinking on a good day, man, on a good day, this is promising. Like where's right? the, where's the, where's I the next the step? Right. Like where's the next step where you're like, okay, there's actually something to this. Like what, what was, what, there seems like a big void there. Like you're making $2 an hour, you're buying your stuff at, at, uh, at retail. Like how do you make that next transition to where you're, you're now getting the, the eyeballs to look at your so flies my, and want them, but what, what so, changes? So my buddy who wrote a website from code and told me to do this whole thing was like, this, this needs to like, we have to get somebody else tying the flies. And it's like, well, then it really kind of loses the mystique of it being us because like I was stuck in that role. Like I enjoyed the technician work. Like I was tying the flies and you know, back then it was like, all right, I'll take a picture. You didn't have every, you know, Instagram anal or, you know, uh, algorithm that, it hid your post from, you know, uh, most of your followers. So like you snapped a picture and like tons of people saw it. And you're like, Holy shit, those are awesome. Like, Oh, thanks. Like tuna melts my heart, bro. I appreciate it. Um, but you know, he was always saying like, you have to get somebody else tying the flies. And I was like, well, that really kind of loses the, uh, you know, the mystique and the, of it being, you know, custom hand tied, you know, flies by, you know, a little redheaded kid down the street. Um, so he was always kind of, James was always very much like next step. And it took me four or five years before I could actually like see where the next step needed to be. But yeah, you know, I would work my ass off for, you know, $2 an hour, $3 an hour. Um, realized that there was no end to this in sight. And okay, well, at least we have to start selling these flies retail and at least double the, at least, you know, double our profit on them. Instead of selling them to, you know, my buddies for, you know, three bucks to sell in their shop, I got to sell them online for, you know, six. And now I've got, you know, a couple thousand people that I can, I can do that with. Mm. And, um, really started kind of pushing that and like, Hey, like, what do you know? That worked. All right, cool. And then, you know, from there, it just kind of evolved to it's like, all right, well, I'm spending too much time tying, you know, one of this and one of this and one of this and getting all the materials out to tie one of these is too time consuming. I need to like, this shit's got to get put away. Like we got to tie a dozen of these or like multiple quantities of these in a row so that I can tie four in an hour instead of three in an hour, two in an hour. Right. So like that was kind of the obvious next step at about the, I'll say year three mark. Um, you know, like, and like we close the website down, we get caught up on orders, you know, and then we change, like it would change. Um, and we did this for the first, uh, I'll say five years. Um, yeah, I always get confused. Like we actually looked it up one day, like, and found out the timeline of everything. And I just, I put it on the table here just to be safe. Like I have it established 2012, erected 2017. That way, if I ever get confused in the timeline, I have it right here on the table. <laughs> <laughs> really coming in handy right now. But 
um, I'll say about the year three mark, it was like, we need to, we'll shut this down. We'll come out with what we'll do multiple packs of flies and we'll sell them four at a time or six at a time. And, you know, raise the price of them a little bit because we're too damn busy. Like we have to kind of limit, um, we have to kind of control the quantity going out here. We got to, we have to curb demand. Um, yeah, so and let me so, just be sure that I'm understanding you're still firefighting at this point, right? This is still yes. all in the spare time. Okay. Yes. This is still all in the spare time. Um, and so we would, we would do that. And, and we, we, you know, I'd say we tried that cycle twice where we'd up the price of the flies and we'd, um, increase the quantities of, of the flies that we tied. Well, by 2016, 2015, um, you know, I was really far behind. We had some really proprietary patterns that we were selling a lot of. And it was like, you know, it'd be a lot easier if I could show people how to tie these flies mm. and they can tie their own. Because I had plenty of people asking me, like, so how do I, how do I tie this fly? And, you know, super secret, you know, squirrel shits like, no, I don't, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you how I changed that epoxy from huh. clear to... You know, like, I'm going to keep all that myself. That way I can yeah. keep doing all this damn work, you know? So, you know, you, you kind of kept the secrets to yourself there for a little while. And you, then you kind of realize, like, well, this is dumb. For every person that's buying these, you got 15 that want to make them. Yeah. So I got with my videographer buddy, Pat, um, you know, who at the time was in high school. And uh, his uncle, Nick Sergio, who mm -hmm. yeah. is... Um, you know, those are, those are like my area bus friends and they were, they were huge in getting this whole thing started. So I didn't understand the importance of video, of, of professional photography or videography. Uh, but I knew that, you know, like a lot of people were, uh, I knew that if we wanted to put something out, I wanted it to be better than what was out there at the time. And there was a lot of, you know, GoPro videos on fly tying. And there was a lot of, you know, iPhone 3g fly tying videos out there. So it's like, well, you know, fly fishing is expensive. Everything about it's expensive. Like this should be top notch. Let me get a professional videographer or someone who's aspiring to be a professional videographer as a as a junior in high school and get them to you know produce a, a fly time video, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and then I'll just sell the materials to tie the fly. Like I'll show people how to do it, and then I'll sell them the materials to do it. Like in a pack, and like you could tie a dozen. Like you give them like 12 a, hooks or something like that. And then like in a DIY, yeah. I'll tell you what, okay. I'm not even going to supply the hooks. You tie them on whatever damn hook you want. I'm oh, just really? going to sell you the, seems I'm like that'd be where the, the profit flag. is right there, man. And the hooks, that's and the most expensive part. That, well, that came, that came in about year six. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're jumping ahead. All right. We're I like the story so far though. This is really cool. It reminds so, me of another one well, we're going to talk you. about. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, so we... um. So that, that kind of offset the me working my ass off all the time tying flies is now I can package up materials and ship them out. And I've got this DIY video on my website. Here's how to tie a lightsaber pinfish. This is what you want to tie. Like I'm tying, you know, four dozen of these things a week, five dozen of these things a week. But now you can tie them yourself. Here's an easy step-by-step -step video. 
and here's all the materials you need to tie a dozen. God, that's genius, man. Because you know, I, I can just I'm just sitting there thinking about like my father in law is a great example. Before he moved to Florida, he's a guy that would would just dream about fishing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I'm sure a hundred percent sure that a lot of the people that are buying that kit and that video may never use that fly. But Maybe they want to tie it and they want to sit there and basically meditate over this thinking, yeah, I would throw this out and I would do this with it and it's going to look like this and it's going to be this way. But they would never tie that fly if they only had to get one because they got to buy yeah. a bucktail, they got to buy the different hook, they got to buy all these different materials and they just want to tie the one. I, that's when you say genius, meditating, <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I didn't understand. I didn't really... Um, I didn't grasp how, or, you know, what kind of an idea it was at the time. This was just, this was just a way to, you know, give my fingers a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, so however, once this caught on a little bit, um, you know, we quickly saw the importance of this. So, um, I ripped down or I, I, I got some slot wall and I turned my, uh, my spare bedroom in my house into my fly shop Yeah. and I put up, uh, let's see, uh, 16th, uh, about 72 square feet of slot wall in my spare bedroom, um, and covered it in materials. And I didn't ask, I, like hairline made you have a, I didn't, I didn't know whether or not hairline made you have a brick and mortar location to sell their stuff online. And I didn't, I knew that Wapsy did, but this was like one of those things where it's like, all right, you know what? We're moving along so hard, so fast. Like we're just gonna do. Like we're gonna beg for forgiveness. We're not gonna ask for permission. <laughs> like, 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 no, 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 no. Like, fuck that. We're doing this. And if we get in trouble, like, what are they gonna do? Throw me in like fly tying jail? Pretty sure I could beat those assholes up. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, I think there's only one of us crossfitting in that game, Tom. You know what I'm saying? Coats and and pipe not smoke. Happen. You know, not happen. Exactly. <laughs> like, I like my lungs over. I like my lungs over theirs. So. So we just, we just covered the, we covered my square or uh, spare bedroom and, and slot wall and stocked it full of everything that I was tying my flies with and came out with, you know, eight or I'll say, you know, eight or 10 other videos on, um, you know, the other patterns that I was doing. And, you know, I was spending so much time packaging up the DIY kits that I didn't have time to tie the flies. And we moved the flies to, you had to buy a dozen of them and they were, you know, 120 bucks a, a, a dozen and they were still coming in faster than I could, I could time. And it was like, this is, how does that, how does that compare to what the kits were doing? Oh, the kits were, well, the kits were semi easy, but they were also a pain in the ass because I was doing it all on, um, the kits were doing really well, but I could package up, I could package up a kit in. 10 minutes start to finish. Right. Um, and I've got, you know, $20 that I'm making in that, you know, in that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, for to tie it to, you know, to tie a redfish riddle and I got to sit there and I got to tie three of them before, or four of them before I make, you know, 20 bucks. Well, right. that takes an hour, right. right? You know, that takes an hour. So it was like, okay, this is getting real clear as to what needs to be done here. Like I see the direction of this company. Um, but you know, also like while this is going on, you know, our, our Instagram page is following and our website's picking up traction. And, um, you know, like there's, we're getting more than just fly tying questions. We're getting, Hey, I want a rod. Hey, I want a reel. Hey, what fly line do you use? There's, you know, like there's, 
there's people that, you know, are, are, are asking non fly tying questions. And, you know, I got it, I got it pretty quick that it was like, okay, like, so we need, um, you know, we need some of this other stuff because like, this is like tying selling like DIY kits is cool and all at 40 bucks to pop, but you know, selling a Nautilus NVG for 1100 bucks would be a lot cooler, you know, mm-hmm. like we could, we could get into that. But furthermore, like what was fun about it, honestly, Tom, like the funnest part about it is there was, there was non, or there was people that didn't fly fish that were getting into fly fishing and mm-hmm. fly tying. And we were, and we were growing the sport of fly fishing in, in this little area. Yeah. Like I, I always kind of joke about it. Like, uh, Chris Humphreys, who's a, um, uh, a marine biology teacher over at the at, at Barron High School, and was actually Pat's uh, one of Pat's teachers, and when and Evan when he was in school. But regardless, when I was in high school, nobody else fly fished. There was I was the only one, and I had to keep that shit a secret. Like <laughs> you don't like you don't brag about how like how good of a fly caster you are in high school. That gets you nowhere. Okay, I know what now, you mean. Now they've got fly tying clubs in middle school. And I'm like, when the shit did this happen? Yeah. Like all of a sudden golf is the, is the cool sport to play and fly fishing is the cool thing to do. Like, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like it took me, it took me 15 years, but I finally became the coolest kid in high school. Like it just <laughs> happened. I was 28 at the time. Yeah. Like you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like I, I was pissed about it. I'm still pissed about it, but <laughs> So we went to a, like, you'd go to, I went to a, a, an after school fly tying thing at, at, um, you know, they have a fly tying club at Barron now because that's, you know, fly fishing is, like I said, the cool thing to do all of a sudden. And, um, you know, like Chris has got uh, 14 kids in the fly tying club and, you know, like you're going around, you're like, you know, do you fly fish? Do you fly fish? Like, yeah, I'm getting into it. Yeah. I'm getting into it. Well now, like, now they're all fly fishing superstars, you know, like yeah. this was six years ago, seven years ago, but, or, you know, actually, I guess it was, let me look at my table again, five years ago. Um, but you know, like it's just, it, it's taken off. Like, like more people are doing it. They're realizing that it's, it's, you don't have to make a million dollars a year to do it. You don't have to like, there's, there's affordable equipment and it is as productive as fishing and artificials. Um, when it's not blowing 40 miles an hour, mm-hmm. uh, like you can beat up a shoreline with a fly rod faster and more efficiently than you can beat up a, a shoreline with, with a, you know, a, a mirrodine. Like you just, well, it's just, so, it's just kind of interesting that a lot of the ways that you can bring somebody into something is through kind of a, a back door, like, like fly tying, like that might be somebody that, wasn't interested in, in fishing at all, but they might be kind of artsy or craftsy or, or, you know, that, yeah. that looks kind of cool. And, you know, I got a little time on my hands and this seems like a kind of a cool place to do this. A cool, my parents told me I had to join a club, so I might as well join this one. <laughs> and then it's like, um, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, exactly. huh, that one looks pretty good. And then they get, you know, maybe their, their fly looks the best out of the whole class and they get that, that reinforcement. And then all of a sudden, like, this is something that they're kind of interested in. And then it's like, you learn like, Oh, well, this is a pin fish. Never seen one of these before, but apparently the fish really like them because it's a (laughs) bait fish. And then you start seeing that they're learning this whole, like the whole ecosystem, like, 
oh, mm-hmm. this is a fish that bigger fish eat, and this is what it would do, and this is how I'm trying these to do sh- this. These shrimp are way easier to tie than these bait fish. I'm right. just going to learn about these shrimp and crabs now. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, but it, it crab. You know, it brings yeah. people in, and sometimes. Sometimes those those same people might not have gotten into fishing, and you know, in a little, in a couple of years, they might decide that 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 fly fishing is not cool anymore, and they just want to catch some really big fish, and they want to, you know, <laughs> now they want to throw the cast net. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, I see. Like, but but there was an entry point. That's what yeah. I think is kind of cool. But what I really think is cool about this whole story that you're telling is is that you took something that. Basically, anyone would have looked at and said, oh, my God, like you could not have picked something where you make less money for, (laughs) for, (laughs) you know what? It's like, it's like literally could not have been dumber about how you got started in this. I know, but I love it because, because it's like, now, wait a minute. Like if you told this to a business guy, he's like, "Uh, hold on now, how long does it take you to make this? Exactly. And it's like 45 minutes <laughs> and you sold it for, for how much? $3. <laughs> and yeah. how much does this hook cost? And how much does this cost? And how much does this tail $2 cost? $2.99. And it's like, combined. you made, you made, you, you literally made a penny. Like yeah. at least you're making something, but oh, well, well, hang on. Let me show you this other fly that I lost a dollar on. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because I was afraid to charge somebody $6 and 50 cents on it. Yeah. But what I like so much yeah. about this story is, I mean, what I talk about on this podcast so often is like people following their passion. And, and a lot of times it's something like this, like it's a, it's a, a path that any rational sane person that has any business knowledge would look at and go, whoa, that is, don't That's do wrong. that. Like, don't, no, no, no. Do that. don't do that. <laughs> but what changes though is, is creative thinking and somehow doing it differently than it's been done before and somehow offering it, you know, it's like fake left, go right kind of thing. It's like mm-hmm. you, you, it's almost like you could compare it you know, and this will be quite flattering, but you could compare it to like an Amazon or something to where it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. That was flattering. Give me a warning next time. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, it's like, you know, you start selling books online. It's like, what are you doing? Like nobody wants to buy books online. No, but you can find any book. And it's like, yeah, but you're a bunch of nerds. Like nobody's going to buy this. I mean, how many books could you possibly buy? And, and all the while he's like, but I'm doing it differently and I'm creating this, this thing. And you know, he has the vision, but I just think it's kind of cool because there's this other story and I've been trying to get this guy on the podcast and your, your story kind of reminds me of it a lot. And you might even be able to learn a little bit from this and take your, what, what you're doing right now and expand it. Okay. But there's this, this guy that makes bamboo fly rods, right? So yeah. a bamboo fly rod is unbelievably expensive. Like mm-hmm. there's so much time and effort and material and there's so much that goes into that. So they have to charge like $2,000 a rod. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, you know, you've got Chinese rods coming over here and they're, they're basic. You can buy a totally decent fly rod for 250 bucks. Really Really nice. nice. It was so much better than what we were fishing with 10 years ago. 
and mm-hmm. it's two hundred dollars. And yep, you you can have a good line with it and a good reel and everything. So why in the world would someone want a two thousand dollar bamboo rod? So you know, as as technology improves, as um, all of the world starts to change, things handcrafted things sometimes go by the wayside. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, a bamboo rod cast kind of nice. It's got an interesting feel to it. But what do you want to pay $2,000? If you break it, it's over. You, mm-hmm. you know, what are you going to do? You got to build another tip. I mean, you got to go back to the drawing board. Like, why would you want to do that? You can buy this rod for $200. It's got a 25-year guarantee. It casts better than that rod ever will. I mean, it's so much better. But mm-hmm. there's something about the craftsmanship. There's something about this. So anyway, this guy. It's the process. Yeah. Well, this guy figured out that more people wanted to learn how to build a rod that may never cast it ever than ever wanted mm-hmm. to buy his rod, even though he's a master craftsman and his rod is literally one of the best in the world. And so he started mm-hmm. putting together these rod building classes and mm-hmm. he would charge you know, like, it's like, okay, I'm going to charge you, uh, I don't know what it costs. Let's just say it's $2,000 and you're going to mm-hmm. go and you're going to build your own rod. I'm going to show you how to do it. You're going to build your own rod. And instead of making, taking his time, maybe it took him, let's say it took him two weeks to build a rod and he would get $2,000 for that rod. He's got 20 people paying him a thousand dollars to be in this class. And all of a sudden, He's doing better than he ever could. And from what I understand, I haven't had this guy on the podcast yet, but from what I understand, his classes are completely sold out and he, you know, he would put more people in there, but he run out, ran out of room. So it's an interesting thing. It's like people like a bamboo rod is obsolete basically, but the building of a bamboo rod is something that a dad wants to do with his wife or, or with his kids, or it's, yes. it's something that, you know, somebody <clears throat> has always wanted to learn and, and th- that rod might go above the mantle and it may never be it. fished. Yep. But this guy tapped into this, this market. It's funny. Like, I, I went and saw the, I went, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the, the manufacturer you're talking about. They're in Blue Ridge. Yeah. And exactly. I was in Blue Ridge. Oyster. And I was in Blue, yeah, Oyster. And that's, there it is. Um, they're in Blue Ridge. I remember walking by the sign when I was in Blue Ridge and they had all their classes on a chalkboard out front for like the next three years <laughs> and they were all full. Yeah. And I remember walking by it going like, what the fuck's the point of the sign? You're booked for the next three years. <laughs> like just take the sign inside. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I'm not doing that uh, before two, 2023. Yeah. But no, that goes to show. Like, I would love to get into. It. I believe it's Bill Oyster. I believe is his name. Yeah. Um, I would love to take Bill Oyster's class, just to do it. And you're right. absolutely right. I would never throw that rod. Right. I would have it sit in my house, and I just like I can't do that soon enough. <laughs> but but you could do something similar to that. I mean, like you're 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 on that track. Like that creative thinking about putting the stuff together with a high quality video and then selling these things as kits. That mm-hmm. is on the same kind of thinking path as, as he was on. And maybe he stumbled into it. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how it happened. I want to know. I want to have him on the podcast. I've, I've con- contacted him. We were putting it together and then it fell apart. But I want to know how that happened because 
that's really genius. Like you can take something yeah. where, where there's another guy out there that's been that, that making bamboo fly rods has been in his family for generations and they make the, they literally make the best ones there, but just fewer and fewer people want them and it can't make a living doing it anymore. And they quit. Whereas a little bit of shift in mindset, a little bit of shift in creative thinking takes yep. that. And, and it's like, well, it's kind of the same business, but it's different now. It's like, now we're doing these classes and mm -hmm. it's all it takes is that little tweak. And all of a sudden you, you, you found a diamond in the rough. Like, I think that's yep. so cool. And, and that's, it, it's, it's, I found this and this was, and I don't know what, I don't know how Bill's story is going to differ, but it, I found that it wasn't necessarily the flies that we were tying or the, uh, you know, it, I'm like, Tom, I'm, I'm a very mediocre fly tire. You know, I found that, you know, our secret sauce was, was an advertising, you know, like we could, it wasn't that the, the flies that we were tying were superior to anything else. Like you can go pick an EP, you know, perfect minnow off the rack and go catch anything that swims in the mm -hmm. Gulf of Mexico. And, um, you know, like every single one of those is tied perfectly where they're not going to foul. They're not too bunchy. They're not going to float because they've got too much material on it. Like our, our fly tying recipe wasn't the secret sauce. It was the advertising of the fly tying stuff. That was the secret sauce. People enjoyed the process. You know, it was the, it was the, I, I, I want to break from, you know, my nine to five and I want to just listen to, I want to listen to this asshole, you know, like cuss into a microphone and tie flies for an hour before I go to bed, because this is what I want. This is how I relax. Like I don't need to watch CNN or Fox. Like, I need to just tie some damn flies. Like I'm going to, I'm going to join along on the live stream and, 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 you know, we're going to, we're going to do this together. And that's exactly it. Like if, if I tie flies for somebody, I'm making one person happy. If I get 40 people in here on fly tying night and, you know, we've got, you know, sandwiches and drinks and there's a party going on in here. Well, now all of a sudden, like we got 40 people having a kick-ass time, you know, and now they've got something to look forward to next month. And that's, that's a big part of it. Like yeah. I, and it's, you have to be able to change. And that's, and that goes back to, you know, what I was saying to begin with. It was just like, whatever you are day one, it's going to be different than what you are day hundred of one or day thousand of one and be ready for that change and embrace it because it's going to be different. Hmm. It's interesting. And what, one other thing that's I think is, is kind of interesting with this new world that we're living in where there, you have social media and you have all of these, these other uh, abilities to connect with people is that, you know, if you're short-sighted or, or conventional thinking, let's just say not short-sighted, you're just not thinking mm -hmm. this way. It's like, it's like what you said in the very beginning, like, why would I want to teach someone how to fly, tie these flies then I'm not going to sell flies. Like my mm -hmm. business is selling flies. Why do I want to teach someone how to do it? And it's like, that is a hard concept. Sucks. That's a concept. <laughs> that's a hard concept to get your mind around. Well, that could be whatever. Like, like if you're an auto mechanic, why would you want to mm -hmm. teach someone how to do something as good or better than you can do it? Then you lose a customer. Well, maybe. Maybe yeah. you do, or maybe that guy gets really interested in cars and buys 10 of them. And now you have to be his private mechanic.
because he yep. now understands how an engine runs and he's more into it and and oh that's really cool wouldn't it be cool if i had one of these kind of cars and you know he's heavy in the wallet he's got he's got money for that so what we were talking about was how interesting it is to start thinking differently about any business like any any business and the fact that you i mean i think that you're you know like when we talk about like you know, you, I know you do a lot of training as well. You do CrossFit and we've talked about that a number yeah. of times. And one of the things that I like the most about training is that it's a, it's a good analogy for life in so many situations, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you, you show up and there's this massive workout on the board and it's like, damn. It is, it is on your board, not on mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. You, you, know, you, you show yeah. up and you're just like, dang, I, I don't know. Like that looks really hard. And then it's like, okay, well, if I just did two at a time, I could make my way through that. You just chip your way through it. Mm-hmm. And then, then you can apply that to different things in life. You can be like, oh, well, I've got this massive amount of yard work to do or whatever. And it's like, how am I ever going to get through this by myself? Well, I'll just, you know, do what I can for the next 15 minutes and see how far I get. And then, you know, and you directly applied the same lesson that you learned in the gym to, um, to something in life. And a lot of times the lesson that you're learning in the gym is like an extreme lesson right? Like it's an extreme, <laughs> yeah. well, you put yourself in like extremely much. <laughs> yeah. It hurts. I'm extremely but, but out like, of it, like you, you've put yourself in this, in this, in this extreme example of, of, uh, of challenge or whatever. And then you mm-hmm. apply that to life and it's like, well, you know, you could look at it two ways. You'd be like, well, if I can do that, what I did this morning, then I can certainly do this. Or you could mm-hmm. just say, well, I thought, I wasn't going to be able to accomplish something and this is how I did it. And let's try to apply that over here in a business sense. So you can take these extreme examples of challenge or whatever and apply them to life. And that that's one of the things that we do in the gym. But like what we're talking about here is an extreme example of literally being able to make a penny. Like, like we talked about, like it was the worst possible path Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean exactly it it could be considered less profit right and and then but if you apply the same principles that you're learning there to any business it could you could possibly open up these doors that you didn't even know existed like i just love it that you were able to um to think differently and do something that really no one or, or maybe maybe other people had done it. It doesn't matter. It worked for it, you. We did it. We did it differently. You right. know whether whether or not. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else had done it or not. Uh, quite frankly, I, I hope that somebody had because it wasn't that difficult. I mean, it was time consuming and it was exhausting. And you know, don't you know? I, I don't want. I don't want to send you the wrong idea. It wasn't easy. It cost me a lot. Sure. Um, but at the same time, like it was, it's extremely rewarding. Like the like it's. It's not the, if you're in it for the profit, if you're in it for the paycheck, like you're not going to make it past the first year, you know, like you have, you have to be vested in it beyond a paycheck. You know, we, we didn't make out and James and I uh, had thousands of hours in two, three, nine flies before we drew a penny of it, you know, before we took a paycheck on any of it. Um, Honestly, it was last year 
you know, we had, we had the fly shop open before we had a, before we, you know, took a, Mm -hmm. took a anything of it. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. And, um, you know, I remember being at ICAST when, when we, when we had opened and I was talking to a lot of my, a lot of friends and a lot of people that were like, Oh yeah. Um, you know, so-and-so used to own a fly shop or, you know, uh, yeah, this is, you know, so-and-so he owned. And it's like, these are all past tense. And like, what, like, what's the lesson here? Like, what did, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I had to fly shop for about five years. And then, um, and then, you know, we just called the quits and I was like, well, what happened? And he was like, we just, you know, honestly, if I could give you one piece of advice, I can't tell you, you know, what happened, but make time for yourself and take a paycheck from it. Because if you don't make time for yourself and you don't take a paycheck from it, it's going to turn into work and you're going to get burnt out and you're going to be done with it. And, and that's what happened with me. It was just, it was too much work. It was too little money. And I wasn't able to do the things that I wanted to do. And I was like, well, that's, that's, that's strangely good advice, you know? And from, from someone who this didn't work for, um, and, you know, as you kind of dive into, like, I have, I, I have no business training, like formal business education whatsoever. Uh, I, I went, graduated high school, went straight to EMT school, went straight to fire school, got hired, um, you know, couldn't really mess around, um, too much in my twenties, um, you know, found out that I was going to be a father at uh, 19. Still don't know how that happened. I swear. <laughs> I, I don't I I have know an how idea. that happened. I don't, I have no idea how that happened. They should have paid um, more attention in biology class. Love you, kiddo. <laughs> um, it's funny. I was leaving the house this morning. I was like, um, I got to go. Don't burn the place down. She's like, what did you forget? I'm like, I forgot to set my alarm last night. And you forgot to remind me that we're not doing anything this morning. She's like, don't turn this back on. She's 14 now. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, it was, um, so I didn't, I didn't really have time to screw around too much in my twenties. I had to go straight from straight from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And, um, zero business training, zero business education. And it's, it's been a lot of figuring out as you go along. And that is, that is one thing that I think we have figured out as we go here is that, um, uh, some of the, some of the, the processes and the theories that we thought worked or needed to work, um, do work. So for instance, I knew that when we opened the fly shop, it couldn't depend on me because I work at the fire department and I'm not leaving medical benefits and a pension to, to pursue this, regardless of what level this got to, this place could not depend on me. And I couldn't work it because I'd worked at the fire department 10 days a month. So like, we're not going to, our business hours aren't going to revolve around my fire department schedule. And I'm certainly not going to man the cash register for six hours a day. Every day I'm not at the fire department, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, you know, we learned really quickly, this can't depend on me. Okay. Well, who can it depend on? Well, it can depend on, you know, um, a few area guides who, you know, need a part-time job and, you know, need a place to get more guide trips. All right. So let's get some guides. 
you know, called up a few of my buddies. Hey, looking for looking for guys with, you know, people skills, personalities, and that we can turn into cartoon characters at the fly shop. Oh, call my buddy Casey. Or, you know, I already had my buddy Evan, who, um, you know, is, is Pat, my videographer buddy, um, area guide. It's like, okay, like, perfect. We need, we need young guides with personalities. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we need to, to, to man this popsicle stand. And it worked. Like, all right, cool. So we started out with Evan. We got Casey. Uh, Casey's older brother, Daryl, same boat, guide, wanted more, wanted more business for trips, needed a break in the summertime to be able to sit inside the AC, tie some flies, mm-hmm. and, and you know, be involved in something like this. And then fell into some college kids. Just hired another uh, guy who fishes a little north of here, Cody Pierce. Um, you know, so, and all along the way, like we all have this, this, this cast of cartoon characters that we've, you know, kind of, um, you know, painted the picture of, and like, this is, these are now the people that the fly and shop mom, like we, we got Sharon, the shop mom who turns our fly shop into an Abercrombie and Fitch every Saturday. Like, you know, these are all, these are all the components that the fly shop can depend on because they'll be here two to three days a week. Whereas if I was never here, this thing is still going to work. Right. And you know, retail, you know, retail can be a drag, you know, it, it, it can really be tough at times. You get three or four days in a row of just, you know, the crowd that wants to walk in and beat you up, you get real burnt out. So it's like, we need to, we need to rotate people through. Like this can't be anyone's main gig. This has to be everyone's, you know, part-time. I do this because I love it. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to do basically what I did, which was I want to start my little thing and grow my little thing and use this as the platform to do it. Mm-hmm. So I always joke, we've got, you know, we're open seven days a week, not even Chick-fil-A can say that. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've got two people on all the time now, but make no mistake, nobody works here, you know, right. like nobody works here. <laughs> Sharon's retired, shows up every Saturday. We got a couple, you know, we've got six six employees that, um, you know, four of them are guides, two of them are college kids. And, you know, I just, you know, show up whenever and, you know, like, all right, cool. I haven't burned the place down yet. Awesome. Well, that sounds um, like, you know, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants, but I got a feeling that you're not like, how do you, how do you insert all these different people? Um, have you come up with some really good, like, processes do you have like an employee have you documented we, everything we, that people are supposed to do like so that when you throw a do. new like kid we, in there they can read a we little book some, we have some systems um you know it's i it's difficult you know like have you ever read the e-myth by chance yeah yeah so book club, my, man. my good buddy my e right so yeah. um i don't know if i don't know if you know this name either from being in crossfit but my good friend jason ackerman mm-hmm. um I don't know if you know Jason or not. He's uh, he was in CrossFit before CrossFit was cool, but he was a member and a coach at my gym for a long time. And we became good friends. We still are. But um, he recommended, he's like, you should read this. Like he always got on me. Cause I don't, I don't read. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a very strong reader, Tom, um, between you and me. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, and that was one of the, after reading that, that was one of those things where it's like, okay, this makes sense. No wonder why we've been successful in, in in this part because you know like it kind of put words to to some of the you know shit we got lucky doing basically mm-hmm. you know like 
this not depending on us. Well, it can't depend on us because you can't be the technician, you can't be the manager, and you can't be the owner all in the same role. Like these need different things. Mm-hmm. Like the technician can't own the place, and the technician can't manage the place. You know, um, and that's how small businesses start out. You get a you get somebody who's you know uh, successful in the technician role and wants to take on more and do more, right. and come to find out like they're not successful in the manager role and they're not successful in the owner role. Yeah. Um, that's one of the hardest things, man. I tell you, I mean, like even, and that's even why like small in my, businesses in last three days. Right. I know a lot of small businesses don't last for a couple of reasons. You picked, you pointed out a couple of really good things. First of all, you have to make money. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, like, especially people that are pursuing their passion, that sounds wrong. Like mm-hmm. it sounds wrong to them. Like, Oh, you're just all about the money. And it's like, like you take a pay. This is one of the reasons why I think Elon Musk is such a genius is because when you read his book, he's like, uh, well, we're going to make the Tesla and we're going to, it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And it's going to, you know, be all these great things. But he said, one of the things that it has to be is profitable. It has to be Mm -hmm. profitable because if it's not profitable, it will go away. I can Mm -hmm. only do this for so long. So it has to make profit. So we have to make it expensive and we have to do this in a certain way that this is a very profitable business. And so mm-hmm. people, a lot of people look at that and they're like, ah, man, you just took all, yeah. you just sucked all the fun out of it. It's like, well, I mean, that may be the way you think you lost me again. <laughs> you got some crappy earphones, man. <laughs> um, we're having some technical difficulties with the, with the, uh, Amazon special uh, headphones. Something tells me those aren't Apple. There we go. There we go. Are those yeah, Apple it's just headphones? A yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. They must, have, they must have put out a new set because they they're they're sending the virus your way. That that is bad. Die. Mine don't die that fast. Mine um, die like instantly. I, I, you know, like James has been on me for a month. Like, dude, you or, you know, six months now. Like, you need some new AirPods. I'm like, these work fine. Like, no, the batteries die in them. At, you know, in 15 minutes, it's like, yeah, but I only work out for 12 minutes, so like, I'm good. <laughs> so, but, what we were talking sorry, about Elon there Musk. was like Elon Musk demanding that his business be profitable, and a lot of people that are pursuing their passion are like, nah, you know, that that's that that just took the fun out of it. Now it's just like any other business. But it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, like if you're going to be a fishing guide, you got to figure out a way you're going to make some money. You got to, yes. you got to charge what you're worth. You have to yes. charge enough to where this is a sustainable thing. Otherwise yes. you're just wasting your time. And so that's one of the things that you, you said early on that you got to take a paycheck. That's why a lot of these fly shops failed because mm-hmm. they were just grinding and grinding and grinding themselves into nothing. They might've, mm-hmm. they might've continued to do it if they were showing any sort of profit, but it's like, mm-hmm. man, I just can't lose money anymore. Like yeah. at some point you have to make it sustainable. It has to be something that you're not just pouring yourself into with no opportunity to to have it continue. That's a really important thing. And then the other thing that was really important that I thought that you just said was um, the fact that people can't do everything because that's what people do in a passion activity. Like Mm -hmm. a fishing guide is a perfect example of that. He's, he's the guide. He's the booking agent. He's Mm -hmm. the advertising agent. He's the photographer. Mm -hmm. He's the videographer. Mm -hmm. He's the editor. 
He's the writer. He's the receptionist. He's the he's the calendar person, the trip booker. He's the um he he's that on the advertising arm. He's going out and selling trips. He's doing all of these things. He's the boat washer. He's the bait catcher. He's the fly tire. He's the casting instructor. And it's not like every business can have individual pieces of this. But yeah, man, where you can where you can hire that out or not do that, you have to. That, yeah, that that expression, the jack of all trades, master of none, um, comes into play real quick. It's like if you have to be good at all of these things, like you only have so much that you can, you only have so many cards that you're handing out. So if you're going to put all of them in the fishing guide category, then all of the other categories are going to take a hit. If you want to be better in all of the other categories, the, then the guiding aspect of your business is going to take a hit. And that's, and that is kind of why we, you know, like I mentioned, like we try to make this as much as a, a, a franchise as we can, just so that when we get somebody new in, we can say, all right, here's how you do your job, you know, and it's, it's, it's cut and dry. And we can take anybody who doesn't fly fish or doesn't have any experience in retail and plug them in and you're good to go. But we're not there yet. And it's always going to be, it's always going to be, you know, people person dependent. And our, our vetting system now is, is pretty, pretty strenuous. Um, not strenuous, but, um, uh, we've got a hell of a vetting system now. <laughs> I'll put it to you that way. Um, well, that comes but, straight out of that book too. I mean, that book really made yeah. a big impact on you because as you're talking about this, I'm remembering that book more and more and more. And there's all these, yeah. you know, these opportunities to bring on a new employee and how you, how you present like this is how you do your job. Well, the only way that you can do that effectively is to have it documented and written down and you have an employee handbook. And when I read that book, we started doing employee handbooks for every job that we have. Even if they're, even if I'm doing five jobs, how do you do a podcast? Mm -hmm. This is exactly how you do it. And write yes. every one of these things down. First of all, yes. it reminds me of how I can do it. And then maybe I'll come back to this document in two weeks and go, that seems like an awful lot of steps. Like, yeah. is there some way that I could get rid of these two that I really don't like or, or whatever, but that documentation is so important. And, uh, it's funny because yesterday I was talking to somebody on our team about the documentation. And a lot of times if you go to an employee and you're like, I want you to really document every single thing that you're doing here. That's almost like I'm, I'm about to get fired. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh -oh. But, but I found something else. I was like, look, I'm sure there are parts of your job that you really don't like to do. There are things mm -hmm. that, that maybe you're not even good at things that are taking you a long time. If you document these things and you write down every step and you create a perfect handbook, it is so much easier for me to take that off your plate and give it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to do not do this job, this part of this job that you really don't like, the way to do yeah. it is not to protect it. The way to do yes. it is to get that information on paper so that we can take that off of your plate and put it on someone else's plate. And who is good at it and right, who doesn't enjoy doing exactly. it. Exactly. And so mm -hmm. that is like extreme ownership. I'm sure you've read that book too, right? If you haven't, you should. Oh, um, yeah. I've, oh, of course I have. Extreme ownership. I got that. <laughs> I got that. Actually, it's in my truck. I, I got it on tape. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. you can get it on tape. But anyway, <laughs> extreme ownership is about, is about, uh, it's Jocko Willink. And it's one of the best books that I read last year. And it's all about taking ownership of where you are. Like, you, you lead up and down the chain. So if you don't like doing a job, 
then you need to do the best job you possibly can to help your boss or the person that's ahead above you to replace you in that position. So if you wrote a perfectly executed handbook and you said to the, to, to whoever you need to talk to, look, so-and-so over there, this is perfectly within their skill set, And I think that they would enjoy doing it. I'm happy to take mm-hmm. on some of their responsibilities. Here's a perfect mm-hmm. handbook that all they have to and do is go down these, these checklists and you could pass this off. Oh, all of a sudden the operations running smoother. Everything's running better. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, See, no, that, that's, and, and here's, and here's the proof positive of that system right there. Um, you know, a, a little bit of backstory. My, one of my, one of my best friends, uh, John Robertson is, uh, general manager of uh, a restaurant, a couple of restaurants here in town, a couple of resorts here in town. But um, most of his career thus far, he's like the bar rescue guy, uh, just without a TV show. Okay. Um, he, he opened Morton'son Steakhouses in, you know, throughout the country. And his job was just to go to each, each new chain and get it running, get it operational, get it profitable, move on to the next one uh, before landing here in, in Florida. Super interesting guy. Um, but, and, and he kind of echoed this stuff to me, um, you know, as I was reading that book and I'm bouncing stuff off like the ultimate manager. Okay. Like, like just a, a, a master manager, if you like amazing, um, you know, he was telling me, he's like, you can't have people run your fly shop. The systems have to run the fly shop. The people run the systems. Like that's, that's how all of this works. Have, uh, having the guidebook or having the employee handbook or having the, the system or whatever on paper is good, you know, but like, that's, that's what runs your fly shop, the book, not the person, the book, you know, we're lucky because, you know, we only need you know, at the moment, six people to run the fly shop. And so we can, you know, handpick the best ones that, you know, fit our, you know, group of cartoon characters and give the shop the personality that it does. But, you know, that's, that's what it is. Like we have, you know, we have all of these, we have all of these different characters that run all of these different systems that all have strengths, strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, just the other day, like we have, um, I hope he doesn't get pissed at me for saying this, but Brian Eldridge is one of our, our, our new employees, uh, newer employees who, um, his roommates with, uh, one of our other guys who's been here for a little bit of a time, his name's Brian Butts. And Brian Butts is an absolute rock star. Like he's 22 years old, can fly fish his ass off, amazing fly tire, better caster than me, better fly tire than me. Uh, I don't want to say he's better looking than me, but it's, it's close. Um, but I like, and just could just sell anything. I mean, he's like a duck in water when it comes to selling shit and it's, it's incredible. And, you know, part of this whole, this fun thing for me is the challenging part to me is like, okay, how do I get this fly shop to where, I can make this into a full-time career for Brian Butts to manage, you know, because that's, that's what it is. Like Brian Butts is going to go off and get a real job somewhere sometime when he's not a college kid anymore. I need to have this fly shop and this operation ready for him to manage, to be a real job and to be a real career by the time that happened. And you know, I noticed that maybe three or four months ago. Um, and it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, you know, we're, we, we ran out of space in here. Every hook was full. And as, and for as much as I could figure out, we, we just can't do anymore in here. Like this is, we need a bigger space. 
well, if we need a bigger space to get more stuff, it's safe to assume that, you know, our business is going to keep trending up. Like we're going to continue to increase sales, especially with the increase in products. Okay. So I'm going to grow this on the owner side of things. I can, I can say like, okay, this is where we're going to go from, from 750 square feet to 2,400 square feet. We're going to triple our inventory and we're going to get more aggressive online and in store. Um, but with those giant increases in, um, you know, in products, we're going to need increases in all of the systems that that go into managing those products and the managing of the sales of those products and the customer service of the customers. This all needs to be handed to Brian Butts and uh, you know, or and and you know, one other person if need be. And coronavirus was actually huge on this end for us because we were cl- the shop was closed during that that. You know, I want to say we were closed for about 45 days. We closed two weeks before the mandatory shutdown. And I learned how difficult it really is online because I was the only one who was, or I wasn't the only one, but I, for the, for the majority, 90% of the online orders that came in that six week time, it was me packaging them up and shipping them out. And I realized really quickly that the systems that we had in place to manage this year one, are nowhere near what they need to be, you know, in year three, you know, we needed to make some changes and I couldn't see how badly we needed to make those changes until I was the one that was packaging up every order. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, we can, we can do that. I can make these changes on the ownership end of things. And then as far as managing them, like we need to have that person, that 40 hour a week guy who's here, you know, Monday through Friday, who's got his finger on what's happening because, you know, we do 20 orders a day plus shit happens on Monday. By the time Thursday rolls around and you know how fast fly fishing operates, like the entity of fly fishing operates, like it's stuck in 1992. Uh, and it's, infuri- it's infuriating. <laughs> I was kind of wondering t- where you're going with that. Cause I was like, uh, yeah, I kind of know how fast it moves like super yeah, slow. We've got, we've got that in stock. We'll ship it. I'll say Friday at the latest, like, I'm sorry, it's Monday. Like you have that in stock. What are you doing right now? Hang up the phone with me and go ship that to me. Like, like the fuck are you doing? Um, like extrapolate that through, you know, 50 vendors. <laughs> like it's incredible. But like, that's what we need. We need to have that person here who can say like, okay, I know we ordered this on Monday. It's Wednesday. It's still not here. UPS is one day shipping in the, or one day shipping in the state of Florida. We should have that. Let me get on the phone. Let me make that phone call. Um, like we learned that pretty quickly. So, you know, it's, it's fun from, it's still fun from my perspective is like, we're not done growing. There's still a lot more that we can do. Like this shop is done. We can't do much more with this space, but we're looking for a bigger space. Um, we're in talks now with, um, the landlord trying to actually move two doors down into a 2,400 square foot space. Um, you know, before COVID that was super easy. We, we signed the letter of intent. It was good to go. Um, but now it's changed a little bit and we're just trying to get back to back to that. But if that doesn't happen, like we'll just stay put for another year and go look somewhere else, you know, but that's, that's the next step, a bigger space, Mm. you know, and that's, and that's, that's where we're going. Um, and, and that goes back to the, you know, to the, you, you have to make a profit. You have to pay yourself. Like there has to be fruit on the tree. If you're going to go, if you're going to go prune it and take care of it every day. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise you're just like, ah, fuck that tree. I don't really like, just cut the damn thing down. 
right. know, I'm tired of looking at it, right. you know? So I, I think that that's, that's where we're heading. Um, and I like it because there's, there's definitely a need for a fly shop in this area and, you know, fly, fly fishing in general is, you know, in my opinion, it's stuck in, it's stuck in 1995. Not a lot of these companies are, are getting with the times and moving forward. And, you know, we run into that problem every day where it's like, uh, just, Hey, can you send me that tracking number? Like, why do you need the tracking number? Like we have the tracking number. It'll get there. It's like, no, this customer wants to know where his package is because he also has an Amazon prime account. You right. know, like this is yeah. like, like it's not that we're competing with Amazon Prime, but we're competing with Amazon Prime. No Everybody who sells anything online is. And, you know, when, when something is, you know, as I don't know if, if this is the right word, with something as bespoke as Able Reels, it's like, you know, people want to, people don't mind spending the, the you know, the, the money on an Able Reel. It's just, you know, it's a custom product and it takes four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. It's 2020. <laughs> I want that. I want that yesterday. Right. So, you know, our answer to that is, well, like we're not going to be able to get able to make reels faster because Abel's trying to figure out how to make reels faster, but we can have more reels in stock. You know, we can have 15 custom reels in stock and have a better chance of having the one that you want in stock. And then you don't have to wait four weeks. You got to wait for, you don't have to wait four days. I'll just take it out of my case and send it to you. Right. You know, so, you know, that's our answer to that. But, that requires money because you got to buy that able reel to keep it in stock and yeah. then sit on it. So that gets back to the business has to make profit. Right. Right. So, I mean, all of these things are, it's, it's fun as hell. Like I enjoy the, I enjoy the growth end of things and, and, and the, and actually, you know, seeing what more this little tax evasion scheme could be than tying the flies, you know, like now it's the, now it's the, the, the preseason orders on the Excel spreadsheets that have me pulling my hair out. But like, that's where that's now fly tying, you know, for, for me. Right. And it's cool because we've got, you know, Brian Butts who enjoys the fly tying end of things. And he'll sit here and I'll turn the live stream on. It's like, here, you tie, like you entertain the masses today. I've, I'm going to get this done, you know? And then it's, it's, you know, the guys that enjoy the fishing end of things and, and the growth in, in the clients, it's like, we got our guides for that. Like you want to go fishing and take pictures and, and do that and make people smile holding a redfish. Like, cool. That's on you. You know, John's going to be here next week. Mm-hmm. You know, he's That's coming in from cool, Wyoming man. and he is stoked about it. So, that's you know, cool, like that's, man, you've built that's this, where we're you've built this nice little, uh, you've built this nice little business in a time when nice little businesses like yours, are going out of business all over the place. And I think that, that it just seems like it's, it's just different thinking. Like it, it's not, you're not selling anything differently. I mean, you're selling it in a different way. You're packaging it and marketing it differently, but you're selling the same stuff that another shop yeah. is going out of business that's sitting on that stuff and can't get anyone to come in. I see it all the time, man. Fly shops go out of business all the time. So the fact that you're, you know, thriving in an, in a time when, that's not the case is, uh, is super cool. So man, kudos to you. Well, Good you. thing that you came across that e-myth book. That is one that has been yeah. in the, it's on the book list. I got another book I'd love for to send you. I've sent it to, um, two or three people that I've interviewed on the podcast. It's a small okay. book. And even if you read like, like Perfect. I do, you'll be done with it in the afternoon and then you'll okay. turn around and you'll read it again. I promise you, you okay. will. 
but uh, from so many of the things that we've talked about, I want to send you this book. And for everybody that's wondering what in the world that book is, I've talked about it before. It's a little book. It's a tiny little book called you I, God, I hope you're I hope you're it's, getting ready to tell me it's like the cat in the hat or something well, like it just would like be. drop that it, on it, me. it kind of is I mean, <laughs> I mean you will burn through it and it's called you squared and it's a it's okay. just a it's just an interesting book man I mean I read the okay. first page and I was like wow I mean I, I I couldn't believe what I was reading and uh it just makes you think a little bit differently. I'd like, I'd love for you to read it and check it out. I'm but, in I would love to okay all right well um well, that's a good place to to cut this out. So why don't you tell everybody how they can find 239 Flies and follow you and do the live streams and buy your kits okay. and support you in any so, way uh, can, that we can. I appreciate it. So uh, 239flies.com. Uh, we are on the wide, wide world of web. Um, so that's, that's spot one. We've got a Facebook page, 239flies on Facebook. Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at two, three, nine flies. Um, we are trying, I'm trying to get off my ass a little bit and do more Instagram content, but like, it's just been so ridiculous the last little bit. Like when you're tying flies, it's easy. You know, you've got, you know, that was like, that was when Instagram was the funnest was when we were tying flies all the time. And it was just like, all right, here's what I tied today. I had, you know, six or seven different like stock you know, um, I'll say poses that I was going to do with the flies. And it was like, we'll just rotate through these. And like, it was so much fun. They all look so good. And now that we don't do that anymore, it gets, it's tougher. Uh, and I don't want to do, I don't want to be just like every other fly shop and post pictures of clients with fish. <laughs> so, um, we are on Instagram. We're a little less active on the, on, on some of that stuff these days, but we do more stories and we do more, um, live streams. Um, and we're still trying to do more, but, um, and also we're at the, you know, 3431 Bonita Beach Road, number 205 in beautiful Bonita Beach, Florida. Um, and we're now open 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, um, and 10 to 4 on Saturday and Sunday. Um, oh, and one more little thing. We're getting ready to do, uh, we're getting ready to take off on, on more classes and experiences here at uh, 239 Flies. I don't know if um, if you know a gentleman by the name of Joe Mahler and a uh, lovely young lady by the name of Debbie Han Captain Debbie Hanson. Okay. Um, Captain Debbie Hanson took over the radio show here in town. Uh, there's a uh, radio show on Saturday mornings from 7 to 10 uh, called Real Talk Radio, and she's the host of it now. Um, after Rob Modi's retired. Um, but they're going to start doing classes here at the, at the shop. Now they're going to do casting instructing. They're going to do some fly tying classes. They're going to do, um, you know, basically the, the, like I love throwing parties. Like that's what I love doing, <laughs> but I mean, there's not too much instruction in, in the fly tying parties that we throw the last Wednesday of every month. So, um, and like, I know that I'm not great at the fly casting instructing and the fly tying instructing, but they're phenomenal instructors and they're going to do the instructing. I'm going to do the partying. Um, but we're getting ready to do some of that too. So, um, I'll have that up on the website. That's kind of, that's kind of new, new, um, like this week, haven't even said anything to anybody yet. So cats out of the bag on that, but, um, but yeah. That's that's how you get a hold of us. Shootingflies.com right. is the best way to go. So All right. Well, that is but, that is awesome. 
Um, congratulations on all your success. And uh, I know that there's more to come because you're thinking the right way. And that's super cool. So that was Nick Davis with 239 Flies in Bonita Springs. Go check him out on all his social media and everywhere that he just said that he's available. And uh, he's doing some really cool stuff. Very cool. We uh, had such a good conversation that we didn't even get to the meltdown and CrossFit. Uh, so <laughs> uh, that uh, that's on the next show, I guess. But Nick, thank you very much, man. It was great talking to you. And uh, that's it for this show. We'll see you next week. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.